0: Martha, this has an IMDb of 3.2. <laughs> 3.2. Incredible. I don't after this one I, I I don't know.
1: You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen ro- streaming teen cinema and adult rom-coms. I am your co-host, library manager and YA Lit appreciator, Martha Sullivan. And I'm here, as always, with my co-host. I'm Maren Hangman, um, adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast. And we are here today to discuss the 2020 Netflix original, Desperados. Uh, Desperados was written by Ellen Rappaport. And directed by LP is the credit in IMDb? Not totally sure who like that a, is. Maybe that's like a John Smith situation. Possibly. Possibly. Um, but this movie stars. Do um, do. This movie stars Nassim Pedrad as Wesley, Anna Camp as Brooke, Sarah Burns as Kaylee, Lamorne. Morris as Sean, Robbie Amel as Jared, the inimitable Heather Graham as Angel de la Pla- de la Paz, uh, and some other people. <laughs> uh This is your uh, spoiler warning at the top of the episode. We are going to get into Desperados. So if you would prefer to watch this movie unspoiled, now is your chance to pause the podcast, go view the film on Netflix, and then come back and join us when you have finished. Uh, Desperados is the story of Wesley a, would you say late 20-somethings, early 30-somethings? Um, I did not, yeah, somewhere around there. I mean, she has just yeah, graduated I, from a
0: master's program, so that is, I think, the... Yeah. Although I think her friends reference being in their mid-30s.
1: We're gonna or get into to this movies. Yeah, We're gonna get into how this movie feels about millennials. Yeah. Um, but, so yes, early 30-somethings, uh, Wesley, who is... Uh, Single, doesn't have a job, can't find a job. Um, uh, An electrical pole falls onto her car, is just feeling, in general, a failure at life. Um, Goes on a blind date with Sean, played by Lamorne Morris, who I adore. Almost immediately uh, does not work out. Um, And she trips... And falls out of that date and into the arms of Jared, played by Robbie Amell. Um, She decides that because she has been uh, turning guys off with how intense she is, that she's going to play it super cool. She is going to be exactly what Jared is expecting. She's going to be low-key. She's going to be low-maintenance and it works um she and jared uh really hit it off develop this relationship um all the while her friends brooke and kaylee are going what are you what are you doing this is dumb you're lying to him all the time they sleep together and then he vanishes for five days um wesley loses her mind a little bit sends him a truly vile and hateful email Uh, and then finds out that he's been in a coma in Mexico for the last five days. She decides that a rational uh, solution to the problem, rather than having Jared read this horrible email and find out that sometimes women um, get mad and send uh, nasty grams that they later regret, um, decides that she and her friends are going to go down to Mexico, break into his hotel room, and delete the email before he can see it. A variety of shenanigans ensue. (laughs) Over the course of this, she runs into Sean again at the Mexican Resort in Cabo. Uh, He ends up helping her with some of the steps along the way in her wacky plan. Uh, The two of them realize that they do get along quite well. On the plane ride home, she reveals to Jared, rather than deleting the email, she comes clean about it. He reads it, says no, I don't want to be with you. You're crazy. Um, They break up. Her friends break up with her in the airport when they arrive because she's been all about her own stuff and basically ignoring them for, it sounds like, a long time, not just this trip, although this trip she became truly unhinged. Uh, And she has to kind of put her pieces back together and figure out... um, what her life looks like when she is not just spending the whole time feeling sorry for herself. So, so that's Desperados. Oof. I can feel you just be tired from. (laughs) I truly was exhausted by this movie. Same. Um, I will, I'm going to bookend the conversation we're about to have. Because first I would like to say that I thought that Anna Camp and Lamorne Morris were shining lights. Oh, I was going to say the exact
0: same thing. I am so glad that we were both... Yeah, Anna Camp and Lamorne Morris deserve so much better than
1: this movie. Like, Well, and Lamorne Morris for me was very emblematic about what I did feel that this movie did well. I thought that this movie did the earnest stuff pretty well. Like, anytime this movie let itself be sincere... It worked for me. It did not know how to balance that sincerity with wacky hijinks. And I think what happened, I think this movie
0: is a product of a vein of comedy writing that says, oh, Bridesmaids was really successful. What we need to do is have women be gross and, like, do gags. Because, like... Bridesmaids was successful, right, guys? And so I think that this movie goes for gross-out moments that don't land, um, because whereas Bridesmaids, like, balances those gags and balances those, those, like, cringe-humor moments with, um... You know, little cleverer moments and some good character development. I feel like this movie, it's only brand of comedy. It has two speeds. Like, a sincere examination of why this poor girl's life is falling apart and her relationship with her two best friends. But also, like, but then it's other speed is like crazy, wacky hijinks and there's no middle ground.
1: Yes, um... Yeah it, yeah, it did not know where the balancing act was right? for the crazy hijinks. Like, every joke had to be truly beaten into the ground. There's a running gag about um, Wesley running into inappropriate or, like, finding herself in inappropriate situations with a 12-year-old boy at the Mexican resort. And, like, it starts with... Her dropping her bag, checking in, and her vibrator falls out. And, like, okay, fine. It's a sex toy joke. Whatever. Every single time they called back to this joke, I wanted to die. Well, and the problem was,
0: because I actually found the scene with the vibrator pretty funny. Like, I actually, that was maybe one of the few times in this movie I genuinely laughed out loud. And if they just left it at that... I think that would have been fine, but I I think you're right that this is like emblematic of what this movie did. Where so there was this you know pretty funny scene like okay, but then they just keep digging into it and like whether well, it's that initial scene, kind of straddled that line of like oh a little cringe, but haha that's that's kind of funny like that's a thing that could happen like ooh like you both we were laughing at wesley but we're laughing with her because it it was like oh god like what if that like that was a genuine situation of like oh my god i'd be mortified if that happened to me you know like there was a balancing of it it wasn't so off the wall that it it was funny but then this, there's like a scene of her breaking in to what she thinks
1: is jared's room but it turns out to be this kid and and she has to be naked during this because of, again, wacky hijinks, which was not this movie's strong suit. Yeah, exactly. So, like, everything from there, it just, like,
0: was not funny and was just uncomfortable and was like, guys, didn't we learn this lesson from Crazy Stupid Love that, like, this vein of comedy of teenage boys lusting after older women just is not, like, funny in this way.
1: Like, oh. And for, for a gag that runs through, like, two-thirds of the movie, it didn't have a resolution. Like, they just sort of stopped doing it. Right. And I, I, kind of, I kind of feel like if you're going to commit that hard to a joke, even if it's a stupid joke, you need to put some kind of button on it. Yeah, you Rather need... than just sort of letting it fade away into the ether. Because I think it's,
0: like, he pays her bail, and then, like, it's just never referenced Which again. also how he's 12. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, this movie definitely needed her, like, being like, oh, yeah, I'm a school counselor. I can tell this kiddo, like, this is inappropriate. Stop it. Like, and maybe, like, that could have been a moment of her, like... Realizing, like, oh, I am actually a good school counselor. And, like, I can, you know, teach kids how to set boundaries. And instead, yeah, it's just, like, left. Like, it's, there's so much to it, but it doesn't get used in the service of our character development. And, it like, wouldn't that have been a better way to do the, like, job s machina at the end, where it's, like, we find out, like, Sean recommended her for a job at a parent-run charter school, which, whoo I got a lot of thoughts about that, but I'll put a pin in that, um, and, um, it just, bam, 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 all the chips fall in line, like, she gets this job, she, like, uses, like, the, you know, embarrassment that she went through, and, like, being, you know, estranged from her best friends to, like, bond with the kids and, like, it, it, yeah, it's, like, job ex machina. It's, like, she gets this job and everything falls in line. And it's, like, wouldn't have been better. Again, I, I I think Bridesmaids is, is the natural comparison here where, like, Kristen Wiig has that moment with Melissa McCarthy where she's, like, your problem is you, and, like, all of the crazy stuff that Kristen Wig, all the crazy and uncomfortable and out there stuff Kristen Wig has done is kind of used in service to, all uh, right, Annie's got to do some character development. What there is here, it's like, she goes through these wacky hijinks and instead of actually, like, using that in a coherent way to say, oh, yeah, she learned this lesson from these, like, terrible interactions with this child and his mom, Or, like, she learned these lessons from, like, her best friends, like, no longer speaking to her. Or, like, breaking up with this terrible dude. You know, like, it's... None of those hijinks go towards the character development that just happens in a blink at the end.
1: I will say, everything after... Well... I mean, I think the point is that she is a good guidance counselor. Like, I don't think she had to learn how to be a good guidance counselor. I think she just was. The the job that we, I mean, the job that we see her interview for at the beginning of the movie, the issue is not that she's bad at what she's doing. It's that she has no, she's interviewing at a Catholic school and Like the example advice that she gives to the nun, I don't think is bad advice. I don't even think it's a bad advice for a teen. It's just bad advice for the environment that she's currently sitting in. So I'm not sure that we needed to see her become a good guidance counselor. I think she already was. I think she just needed someone to throw her a bone and that person is Sean because he likes her. Oh, see, I disagree. I didn't think, so,
0: and this is coming from working in a school, like, that is not, that is not necessarily appropriate advice for a school setting. Like, schools are so regimented in what they can say. And, so, sorry, for our listeners, the, at the beginning she has an interview about talking with kids about, um, sex and sexuality. And there's actually, like, pretty rigid, like, curriculum and guidelines on that, um, So, I actually found what she said to be kind of inappropriate. Like, I would not recommend that someone say that to a student. Like, clearly, there's a space for teens to, like, talk openly about that. Um, But I think the way, something, like, I don't think she went that far. Like, it wasn't that far off the mark. But it still, it was like, ooh, I don't know that we'd say that to a kid in a
1: school. I mean, um, I also think the point was that she was interviewing with a nun and totally. she decided to rag on the nun a little bit.
0: Oh, totally. No, and I get what you're saying. Like, I, I I, get what you're saying about, like, yeah, like, clearly, you know, the movie is saying something about, like, she just hadn't found the right environment for her. But I I do think, sorry, Okay. getting back to my, melding these points together, I think the movie would have been stronger if... It had done the bridesmaids, like, these wacky hijinks are in service of character development versus just these wacky hijinks exist, you get this job, and magically your life falls in order. And I I think her development, explicit development of her skills as a counselor could have been part of that.
1: I just, I think the movie would have been stronger if it hadn't felt the need to have wacky hijinks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) because like I said the emotional the emotional stuff that it does like when um, when Wesley and Sean are talking it always works like Mm -hmm. because they are both allowed to be earnest and then Lamorne Morris is just a funny person um N- Nassim Padrad is also so like they're much more like natural humor. I thought was much better than when the movie tried to be like. And now funny things are happening. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think too. Um. Yeah. Again, I, I, and this just—I don't mean to just keep harping on this point, but I, I think it does go back to like gags. Gay humor like that only works if either, A, it's absolutely hilarious, like, C, Monty Python, or B, like, it is, you know, in service to character development, and it is in service to something else the movie is trying to say. And I, I think this movie just, like, completely walled off. Like wacky hijinks
1: from what it was trying to say, um, yeah. And I just, I just think they were bad jokes too, right? Like at the end of the day, it's like these didn't work because they were bad, right? Exactly. Um, un unlike the scene where Anna Camp goes to see Heather Graham, who is a lifestyle guru, with her friend Kaylee, um, and like Anna Camp is supposed to be the like, um. Uptight. Um like she's married, she has a kid, she, her we find out her husband cheated on her. Um, she's like very rigidly controlled. Um, and then going to the going to see the lifestyle guru really lets her like cut loose for the first time ever. Uh, and then they bone, which was one of the best scenes in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I did because- not think it was gonna go there, and then it went there. I was like, oh, okay. you was so funny Um, and it was definitely the like oh we're all learning something about ourselves (laughs) during this trip (laughs) Um, but Anna Camp is also just really good at that like physical humor she and Heather Graham both are really good at that um, that kind of physical humor that made that scene work so like Heather Graham can play that super goop um, like off-brand Gwyneth Paltrow but her, like, wide-eyed earnestness kind of makes it work
0: in a way. Well, it's funny because I was thinking, I was like, huh, this is the exact same character that Heather Graham played in um, the Date movie. Oh, my gosh. What was it called? Netflix apparently just owns Heather Graham right now. Is this like a... That's a... okay. She's she's doing she's doing her best. Right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's not a knock on Heather Graham. That's just... I, it, uh love guaranteed that was it Mm -hmm. like i did enjoy that it was like oh this is like the exact same character this is great um yeah because she she just goes
1: for it and yeah just the like the amount that she was in she was in maybe like 10 to like 10 minutes and it was perfect
0: yeah, because she, yeah, she was, and forgive the pun, where Anna Camp is concerned, she was, ahem, uh, pitch perfect. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, it was right there, <laughs> I was low-hanging fruit. Um, yeah, she, like, yeah, she was very pitch perfect at this, essentially, well, I guess a little more than a cameo. But, you know, a few scene, um, a few scenes, um, yeah, and, you know, thinking about, you know, getting into some rom-com rehab here. Because I, I really actually think both the Anna Camp and the other best friend, Kaylee, I think both those storylines actually worked very well for me. So, um, Kaylee's thing that she needs to learn about herself is, you know, she's dealing with infertility. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the movie, she, or you know, going through that, that same, she, she is the one who urges Brooke, Anna Camp's character, to go with her to this retreat to, like, hopefully magically like help her fertility and and she kind of learns out of that to like accept that she might have a different path to motherhood um mm-hmm. and that worked for me i feel like and they're like scenes together on the bus like those were great so it was like any the movie looked away from wesley's like fetch quest of getting this dude's computer and phone, good things were happening. And I I think, honestly, if they had just, like, toned down a few of the gags and, again, like, kind of repurposed them. Because it it was like they chose, like, what's the most out there version of this thing we can do um, instead of choosing, like, humor... That was some, you know, some way grounded in reality. Because going back to the vibrator thing, I think that worked for me. Because it's like, oh, that's something that could actually happen. Whether it's like Mm -hmm. her scaling up a fence, getting electrocuted, falling down, scaling it up again, falling the other direction. Like, that's not, that's not funny. That's just painful. And like. That's not something most people can relate to. You know, there's a place for heightened, like, a
1: sense of heightened reality. But, like, it just broke that. Well, and again, I think part of why it broke is because these jokes were not well written. Yeah. So, like, by the time she is climbing the electric electric fence, we've seen her, like, she has already done so many absurd things in the name of getting into Jared's hotel room that at that point I was just tired. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted her to, like, I just wanted her to stop. Yeah. Um, I would like to talk for a little bit about how this movie hates millennials. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I think, thinks that it was written for millennials. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is. So. So Wesley is very much the like. I want to date because I want to get married and I want to have a family, and I'm going to be very intense about that, and also pretty oblivious to when I come on. Like she, she is playing an archetype, and I, I was sort of, I was sort of um, excited when she goes on the first date with Sean, and he's like, mm, no, no, this isn't it and leaves and she has her whole thing about like, wait, I was just joking because that is my least favorite, just sort of conversational habit. When someone says something that is sincere, but is also something that reasonably puts other people off and then is like, but I was just joking. Um, Dislike that. (sighs) I have lost the thread of what I was was talking about. This movie Um, feels like it was made... This movie feels like it was designed in a lab to appeal to millennials, but also sort of is talking down to us at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: And again, I think that, like... Because this movie kind of argues, like, find a job and all will be well. You know? Like... This movie, like, find a job and find a relationship, like, all these things society has told us are the hallmarks of, like, adulthood without addressing, like, oh, not a lot of people are hiring, you know? Or, like, how can I afford to live in L.A. on a school counselor's salary? You know, like, those systemic things that millennials face that boomers don't understand
1: i I would push back against what you just said only in a couple of ways. I don't fully disagree with you. I do think that we are meant to understand that Wesley can't find a job because she sucks at interviewing. Like, mm-hmm. I think that that was kind of the purpose of that first, yeah um, interview that we watched. um the the what what I objected to is i I also think that the movie is kind of the movie would sort of like us to believe that Wesley is in this position because she changed careers and went back to school. At one point she tells us that she used to be in business finance, which the, which she does get to say was a bad choice for her personally. Um, but also she doesn't have a job because she's trying to find a counselor position. So I don't know that it has a fully clear idea on what it's trying to say vis-a-vis, Um, Whether or not she should be able to find a job It is very definitely saying If she had a job Things would be better Um, I appreciated That Anna Camp does Get divorced without A um, romantic Alternative waiting in the wings Mm -hmm. One of my One of my least favorite things that happens In stories like this sometimes Is when like relationships cure everything and sometimes it's like well sometimes the relationship is the disease um Mm. so the fact that we got a variety of endings for our three girls I really appreciated um but yeah there, there there definitely is an overwhelming sense of things would just fall into place if i could like achieve this one thing and when she gets a job it does happen yep. <laughs> um it's a good job though i liked the i liked the weird magnet school oh i parent run charter schools are a
0: whole thing and there's this whole i have a lot of thoughts um <laughs> Yeah. Share them. This is your outlet. Yeah. They essentially are ways for parents to get around licensing educators and parents who believe they can teach better than teachers. Um, and they run into the fact that, oh, actually, you can't teach just because you also went to school. Um, and they tend not to... Like, there are a few success stories. This is coming from... There's a movie with, like, Maggie Gyllenhaal, I think, where that was about, like, parents taking over a school... It's just, ugh. it's a cultural narrative that bo- bothers me, and I'm I am sure there are parent-run charter schools that work very well, um, but it just like contributes to this narrative of like teachers are the problem, doesn't have to do with the fact that we ask our schools to do too much, and parents can apparently do it better.
1: There's my little song. I did think it was interesting that we get Wesley set up with this very specific kind of school. Like there's no real reason right. that the school had to be that. Exactly. But then the movie doesn't en- but then the movie doesn't engage with that choice at all. Like it's such a weirdly specific one that I kind of expected there to be some sort of like Right. I don't know, narrative reason for it. And there truly was not. Right,
0: exactly. Like, they could have even just said a charter school. Sure, that would make sense. Chartering school process, like, hiring processes can move faster because they don't have, like, a lot of them don't have, like, bureaucracy or unions. So they don't have, like, contracts. You know, like, chartering school hiring processes are a lot quicker. That would make total sense for her to be like, oh, yeah, I got this job at this charter school. Um, but yeah, why did it specifically have to be a parent run charter school?
1: I have no answers for you. I don't have nearly as many feelings as you do about this, um, because I just don't know a lot about them. Everything you have said makes sense. And like I said, I just thought it was such a weirdly specific choice. Yeah. Um, I almost felt like because she's in LA, it would have made more sense if she'd like been at a performing arts school. Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because then, then I feel like she also could have been a little freewheeling. Um, and that would have made environmental sense as well without, right. without being this just like, but why are we here?
0: <laughs> right. Well, and for me too, it was like, after this slog of a movie and we got to this, I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, one more weird little choice. Like... And you're not even gonna like like God? Could you just have said charter school or performing arts school or, like, <sighs> yeah? It was just like another weird choice that the movie did not commit to, or like use in oh in a way that was like in service of character development.
1: I I will say. I don't necessarily think that everything a movie does has to be connected to character development. Like, I I think that there are things that a movie can do just to do, or because they fit the fabric of the story. I don't necessarily need every beat of a movie to advance a character arc or character growth. Um, But if your jokes are not going to accomplish that, they have to be good jokes. (laughs) Yeah, no, and that I is mean,
0: how I feel about that. That's fair, and maybe it's just I was looking for because there were parts of this movie that were so sincere and so like raw about like how it feels to be adrift. Um, yes, that it just like boggled me when there were these like wacky hijinks and these other abrupt choices that didn't fit in there. You know, like it was some tonal whiplash.
1: I thought that the scene when they land in the airport in LA when her friends confront her on like the emotional growth that they've been able to undergo because they haven't been wrapped up in her BS for like 2 days.
0: Yeah. I thought that scene was
1: I thought that scene was devastating. Oh my god. Yeah. That was so good. And it was so like everyone in that all three of those actresses are so good um when they are essentially when brooke and kaylee are you know finally kind of having it out with wesley like you are complaining that you don't have anyone and that your life is a mess but you're the only one standing in your own way and wesley's like it's easy for you guys to say i literally have no one which as soon as she said that i was like girl (laughs) what are you talking about and her friends are rightfully like what about us? Like, why aren't we enough? And when she says that they're not enough, I both understood how she felt and also understood the devastation that you would feel hearing that from someone. Right. Because like, I, I think what, what Wesley is just not articulate enough to say in that moment is that like, none of us can get along with one kind of relationship and she feels a lack in her life because she doesn't have um, a romantic partner. And that's a valid feeling, but what, how it comes out and because she's such a self-centered character is like, you guys don't mean anything to me. And clearly, like, obviously that's not true, but that's how it's manifesting in that moment. And I just thought everyone's faces were doing such good good work in that scene totally yeah and again i think this movie works when
0: like and especially like anna camp and sarah burns who plays the other friend kaylee are given like actual things to do that's not connected to the main fetch quest um yeah i think the moments like that work you know like i think this would be a better movie if she has this crazy idea, they go down to Mexico, and she's like, oh, you know what, like, let's, like, try the first attempt to break into his room, and then, oh, let's give up,
1: you know, like, or if she'd been like, I'm going to go and I'm going to meet him at the hotel and then like we'll have a reunion and in the ensuing confusion, I'll be able to break into his left. Right. Something, something that didn't require something that gets them to Mexico does not require all of the stupid BS trying to break into his hotel room. Right. Still allows her to hang out with Sean while she's waiting for Jared and also lets Brooke and Kaylee kind of, do their own thing while wesley and sean are hanging out going waveboarding or whatever like i don't think it's i i don't think it's that much of a stretch to write it that way and i don't think it would have lost anything either right
0: exactly like maybe there is just the one scene of them trying to get that dude's key and then she like discovers the other family's there and runs away you know like that's all we needed of that you know like It just, like, by the time we got to her crawling over that fence, I was just like,
1: I do not care. Like. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I did laugh very, very hard at her getting in, thrown into Mexican prison, though. Oh,
0: we I can think- keep that. <laughs> we, can <laughs> keep, <laughs> we can keep
1: that sequence.
0: Oh, I, by that point, I was just like, yep, yeah, of course. Like. I don't know. That didn't
1: I did. I did but not I find that. that secret I think that funny. hits. I think that hits differently if it's not the end result of a million exhausting, like escapades. Right.
0: Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, if
1: it's not, if it's, if that is truly like, if they had pit, I think what I wanted was for them to have done a better job of picking their battles.
0: Mm-hmm. This
1: feels like every single joke that somebody proposed made it on screen. Mm. And maybe it's not that they needed better jokes or better written jokes. Maybe it's that they needed fewer. Oh. So that the ones that were there would have hit harder.
0: Yeah. This was kind of a, a spaghetti throw everything at the wall. And you're throwing it yes. all the wall together so
1: it couldn't all stick. <laughs> Um, let us talk for a moment about the fashion in this movie because I thought that the way the choices made to dress Brooke Wesley and Kaylee I thought were brilliant and was actually a very smart way of reinforcing their characters I love costuming as a character choice and I thought this movie did that very very well it did it
0: well enough that I did not notice of like, there oh. were the, it did not stick out to me in
1: a bad way. So that in itself is a sign of success. Oh, yeah. Kaylee is at one point wearing a t-shirt with a wolf on it.
0: Hmm.
1: And I was like, I bought that t-shirt at Hot Topic. Aww. <laughs> um. but yeah, Anna Camp is dressed very like Wine Mom, like structured tops, a lot of blacks and whites. Um, and then wesley is in like soft more beigey and pinky colors um very like young working professional although by the time she's at the magnet school she is wearing more like high-end t-shirts it, it's more like young teacher it, it it's appropriate for like a young teacher in a, a school setting like well-fit t-shirts and jeans um i always notice i always notice fashion choices Hmm.
0: i will say i did love her pink dress that she wore at the scene when they went to the quinceanera
1: yeah i loved that that was a beautiful that scene is a bit of a that scene is also a very good fake out when she is um, in the store trying the dress on because she is in a dressing room that's right next to a rack of novelty t-shirts and part of me was like she's about to walk out with a t-shirt that has been like spray painted <laughs> with like naked abs in a banana hammock like I, I truly <gasps> thought that she was about to walk out and honestly if she had I would have respected that choice but I did like that dress a lot yeah that dress was
0: very cute yeah, a, like Captain Holt in Brooklyn Nine Nine. When uh-huh. he when or, like he, a tuxedo shirt. Yeah, when he flies to Jake and Amy's honeymoon and yeah. Ugh, all those gags with all those shirts are so good. Honestly, I would have just rather rewatched those episodes
1: of Brooklyn Nine Nine than watch this movie. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but yeah, I guess to be fair, this did not have, as we have frequently had in movies, my Gen Z fashion critique. So that means it must have been good because it didn't stand out to me. as like, oh,
1: no, these girls were definitely, I, I truly think that the people making this movie were like, and we have to make it very clear that they're millennials.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did also like Kaylee's. Thule skirt that she wore on the flight home i thought that was very cute that's that was the skirt she's wearing with the wolf t-shirt oh okay i
1: was too busy looking at the skirt to notice the t-shirt i was like "Ooh, that's a pretty skirt very it's a very cute skirt and it goes very well with the wolf t-shirt but it is definitely a wolf (laughs) t-shirt okay i was so focused it's also what she it's what she wore to go meet her shaman so again very appropriate (laughs)
0: Good, good work, customers. You and uh, Anna Camp and Lamor
1: Morris were too good
0: for this movie.
1: Lamor Morris, truly, I loved that he got to be the romantic lead in this. I love him. And I would watch him in this role, like, a lot, I think.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I was only a very casual New Girl fan. Um, I have not... There, there's a lot of New Girl I have not seen. I only dabbled, um, but I do, I do appreciate him as a presence.
1: Yeah, his his character on New Girl is like Sean only, only the um, funny joke parts without. I mean, his New Girl character has emotional earnestness, but it's caricature like all of those characters are a little bit of a caricature Right. so watching him just be like a real person was really gratifying because he's very good also very good beard
0: yeah yeah not everybody can pull off a beard but he definitely did yeah I think well is there anything else we would highlight or fix about this movie? I'm trying to think through if I had any other. I feel like it could have been shorter. It's an oh, hour yeah. 45. That was kind of a lot. It was. It needed to be 15 minutes shorter. Oh, I guess we didn't talk about Rami
1: Amal, but that's probably just because he was such a non-entity. Because he sucks. And the whole movie... So, one of the other issues I had with this movie is that from the moment her date goes wrong with Sean, you're like, okay, this is how this movie ends. Oh, absolutely. So all of this stuff with Jared, I was like, this is going to go wrong in one of several ways, and I don't know that I enjoy any of those. Like, either he's going to be a secret jerk, or he's going to cheat on her, or, like, something is going to implode in a really bad way, and at that moment, none of that seemed, like, enjoyable to watch. And ultimately he finds out that she's been like moderate modulating her behavior around him which also he calls her a liar for doing that literally everyone does that get over yourself um yeah and then he's just like i don't want to be with the real you i want to be with the you that you've been pretending to be get away from me and i was like I might have been madder if they'd been dating for longer than a month, but mostly I was just like, yeah, I mean, this sucks and he sucks and you should get away from him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which is interesting, like, you know, comparing him in this to when we first met where he is, like, Gary Stu, but also still, like, the same, like, blandly handsome white guy, like... I mean he's very attractive, yeah, he is he is <laughs> um but yeah, quite the quite the contrast from his when we first met character, um, but yeah, I mean, I think he like did what he needed to do in this movie, but he was just kind
1: of there, or rather not there for large swaths of it oh yeah i I found him inoffensive. But also that character was just like a waste of my time. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my dear, what would you recommend our readers enjoy uh, after this one? (laughs) Honestly, while I was
0: watching this, what I just wished I was watching instead of all things was actually forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, Which has some similar nice. themes of like crashing an ex's trip or you know crashing a a trip and wacky hijinks, but I think is just a much better movie. And um, I was like, oh, if I want to watch a movie about a person being weird on a vacation, I would
1: rather watch Forgetting Sarah Marshall. So that sure. was that was what I recommend. Also... Um, so I know that I've recommended Sophie Kinsella on this podcast before because she is a genius. Yes, she is. And every one of her books is a winner. And the book that I'm going to recommend today uh, is Wedding Night, which is about Lottie, who is frustrated that her boyfriend won't propose. And when she thinks that he's about to, he instead asks her to go on vacation with him, at which point she runs away um coincidentally runs into an old flame and the two of them decide that it would be a good idea to elope well they think it would be a good idea to travel to greece and not tut like basically they're like let's skip everything and go get married and lottie's older sister fliss is like this is a terrible idea you're just mad at your boyfriend what are you doing and lottie's like no this is brilliant we're gonna skip all of the stupid in between stuff and just get to the good part so it is her traveling to greece to get married to an ex-boyfriend and fliss and lottie's actual like the the boyfriend that she actually is in love with and is just mad and having a tantrum about uh trying to stop them before the two of them uh get married oh i love that book it does it does wacky shenanigans way more effectively than this movie did um a- absolutely and no in- i <laughs> yes i was hoping so can wrong. tell it does
0: it so well like she just does wacky shenanigans so well
1: Yes, it is a romp. It is a farce. It is perfect for the increasingly warm weather that we've been having. Um, it is just a delight.
0: Oh, it's just so much fun. Oh, I can't wait for you, though, to to read. Oh, my gosh. What's her other one? Can you keep a secret? I'm so excited for you to read that book.
1: I'm looking forward to it. I think I'm about to read. I, I've just finished a couple of horror novels, and I'm about to read all romance all the time for the next like three weeks excellent well thank you all so much for listening um this has been a delight uh you can find this show on the social media feeds that we share with our sister podcast did you do your homework which updates on the same feed on alternating wednesdays uh, that i host with maran's husband pete Um, We are about to embark on a whole month of talking about Westerns in different contexts, and I am so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's going to be very summery. Uh, There's going to be a lot of cowboy hats, a lot of horses. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Um, Our social media handles basically everywhere is at DYDYHpodcast. You can follow me individually at all the places at Magical Martha, including a newsletter that I write whenever I feel like it called tinyletter.com uh, forward slash Magical Martha. Marin, where can people find you? Um, folks can find me
0: on Twitter at a underscore star underscore danced, um, where I pretty much just tweet about romance novels these days. So if that interests you Excellent. at all,
1: feel free to give me a follow. Nothing wrong with that. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh on our next episode, we are going to be watching the Netflix original Caught by a Wave from 2021, uh written by Claudia Botino and uh Ma- Massimiliano Camaiti, directed by Massimiliano Camaiti. Uh so I am hoping for some fun in the sun on the Italian coast and maybe a little bit of romance uh, to balance out the vicarious travel that I'm hoping to absorb from this book. <laughs> uh, we will see you all in a couple of weeks. And until then, just remember that we love ya. Oh, man, it really does.
0: Hooray, we did it. It really does speak ill of this movie (laughs) that we did not
1: get any of the vicarious travel. (laughs) I mean, I kind of was like, yeah, sure, that looks like a cool resort. But we didn't get to see a whole lot of Mexico. Right. There was like two shots at the beach. There was like that one scene. Do you know know what I think I would have done? Mm -hmm. And maybe Pete can cut this into the episode. Okay. Instead of going paddleboarding, I would have had them go snorkeling.
0: Oh yeah, get some like crystal clear beautiful water, get some like, uh-huh, Oh yeah, yeah.